Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode on the Prismatic Academy podcast. I'm Chrissy Marie and this is episode 22, Life on Stage with Angie Kay. I get into this a little bit at the beginning of this interview and I just want to share briefly why I'm so grateful for having had the opportunity to speak with Angie. Out of Nashville, she is a singer, songwriter, and so much more. I first came across Angie when I heard her music video called Leave California and was truly moved by how she told a story around a very big ask from her partner. I knew I had to speak with her and I am beyond thrilled to feature her work and wisdom on this podcast. Now, I don't want to give too much away because there are some definite profound gems and pearls of wisdom that Angie shares with us from her perspective, but to give you a broad idea of what to expect, We run a conversational gamut from navigating the music business, LGBTQ in the country community, staying humble when your brand is literally your name, constructive criticism, constructive conversations, and of course, Angie's favorite highlight moments from her career to date. She is an award-winning Latin American country artist, internationally recognized, and has opened for names like Jake Owen. She was also named as an artist you need to know by Rolling Stone Country, as well as won the 2016 San Diego Fair Best Songwriter. I feel like a total fangirl in listening to her journey, mindset, and passion, so you can imagine my excitement in sharing our conversation. Be sure to listen to the end for a snippet of her song, Leave California. And without any further ado, here's Life on Stage with Angie Kay. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking with you. Thank you so much for, for um, sharing a little bit of your time with me. Yeah, of course. No, I'm really excited that you wanted to talk. Your podcast seems pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just, I love, you know, telling people's stories, helping them tell theirs, and just bringing about, you know, that sense of community and connectedness. And when I came across your video, I just, I knew I had to talk to you. There was something in your voice where I'm like, oh, there's something so incredible here. And I'm so happy that you agreed. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that video definitely took a, it took a lot of work uh, and a lot of kind of uh, believing that it was all going to come together in the way that, you know, that we dreamed it in our heads. And, mm-hmm. and it was just amazing to see it all enroll and it connected with people. So it makes me really happy to say that that video made you want to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you want to tell me a little bit about like where the vision began and kind of how it ended up? Like, are you, are you happy with how everything turned out? Is it how you expected it to be? What's the story behind it? Yeah. So, um, uh, I don't know if all your listeners are familiar with me, but my name is Angie Kay and, and I'm a musician here in Nashville, a singer songwriter. And I just put out a music video, uh, that I was a little nervous to put out. Uh, it's a song, it's for a song called leave California. And in it, it's kind of my story of, I lived in California for four years with my girlfriend and I lived in Nashville for one, we lived apart for a full year uh, while I was living in Nashville because uh, I just got signed to an amazing management company and things were started to really happen for me. And I finally realized I can't leave Nashville, uh, but I, I don't know if I can keep doing this long distance. It's really hard on both of us. So I finally worked up the courage to ask, you know, a big question that everybody has to ask at some point when you really love somebody is basically ask for something that you don't deserve, which is like the kind of love that is bigger than that person. 
And um, it was a selfish ask. I wanted her to move across the country for me and leave her business and her friends and her family uh, so I could pursue my dream. And I was so terrified of asking the question because I was afraid she would say no. And I didn't know exactly what that would mean. And uh, she said yes, and she moved, and we're very happy. I'm actually talking to you right now from our our uh, natural apartment. We share an office now in our apartment, and um, it's been amazing. And so I wanted to share the journey of learning how to really humbly ask for a, a big kind of love, I guess. Uh, and it was a big thing for me because I think like most people in the modern, especially women in the modern world, we don't like asking for things we feel like we can't earn or deserve in a way. And I wasn't used to doing that in a relationship. And so um, it was this journey that I was just sitting on planes and, and riding through, you know, sitting on the beach in Encinitas, California, and then getting on a plane and, and driving through the rolling hills of Tennessee and on a tour bus up and down the East Coast. And I was piecing together this, these words in the song. And I had this huge vision for this music video of really showing it. Um, and the, the scary part was, you know, it is, it, and then I wouldn't say scary because I really didn't have a lot of drawbacks on it, but I wanted, uh, I just joined this major team. So for the first time, instead of going the independent music route, I'm going kind of like more the bigger league music route, um, which means I have to think about things I didn't think about before, like will putting a music video out with a primarily, you know, gay couple, does that matter in country music today? And I never thought about those questions before. Uh, and I remember I went into an interview with uh, Leslie Fram at CMT, Country Music Television. And I told her my idea for this video and I did not make a single apology, I didn't act scared at all about, I just told her exactly what the music video was, like it was completely normal because that's how it felt to me. And she listened to the song like three times and she was like, yeah, we want, we want to put this, we want to support this. We're going to put like premiere it on our, on our cmt.com and we're going to, you know, we're going to add it to the videos playing on the channel. Um, and it was a major win for me because I, I could have been afraid to ask that question. And just maybe 10 years ago, I would have necessarily have to have been. So I think that's the big journey with the song. And, and uh, when it came out, just the amount of outpouring of love that came out, it was, it was a pretty amazing experience. I was curious about that. Yeah, like where, where your fears, what you would or thought they would be. It had to have been supportive. Like it's so beautiful in thought and concept and lyrics and composition. So I'm happy to hear that the response was positive and supportive. Has, has that like, are you making that a part of your foundation now, do you think? Really being an advocate and being true to yourself and really standing for your values and everything that you love? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting, my path to being, you know, that word, that advocate or, or activist, um, because most of us think of those terms in, in, in relation to something radical, you know, and nobody wants to be part of radical because it puts us apart from the group right. of the people, you know, our friends and family, and, and it necessarily creates conflict. Um, so it's a scary word. And I never thought that I'd associate myself with that word because I've always, I've been so lucky to grow up with a family that although they were uncomfortable with it at first, I knew that they would have unconditional love for me. So I knew even though it made them uncomfortable at first, I knew they'd figure out their way around it. And I realize now as I get older, I had a very uniquely wonderful um, family like that. And not everybody does. And the older I get and the more people I've met in the community, uh, you know, in the LGBTQ community, I've realized, especially for transgender people, I think right now, um, a lot of uh, there's still so much to be done and there's still I mean there's still a lot of states you can be fired on the basis of being gay um, and so I wouldn't say that I you know I I don't step on stage wearing a rainbow flag and I don't 
necessarily go and, and tell you you're wrong if you believe in something different. My goal is to show through love and just love everybody equally and consistently never apologize. Um, so I guess my role and what I feel like is right. So many hardworking women and men fought for me to be able to not be afraid. Now it's my job to not be afraid, you know? And I think the best way to do that is to just use the pronouns and never hesitate. Because although I would honestly say 80% of people could care less what, what pronoun you use, I use or, or what people are in my music video, but the people that do care and are looking for that desperately need me to say it. You know, because I look for it when my favorite artists, you know, that are gay are talking about a relationship. I'm like, are they going to put a heterosexual couple in their music video? Are they going to, which are all, they have the right to do, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I would rather step in the responsibility of, I have the freedom to do this that other people couldn't. So it's my right to keep authentic to the music and not, and not hesitate, I guess. So I would say my, that that's what I feel like my role, um, I suppose, as an activist would be. And I think that that is so beautifully positioned. When did you when did you kind of come upon these realizations for yourself that that's how you wanted to move forward in life with the leading with love and never apologizing? Because I feel like those are things like those are foundational things that a lot of women don't typically express. So when when was that like a yes for you? Like yes, that's how I want to be. Yeah, it's it's so. I'm in such an interesting place in my life right now. Uh, I, I just turned 28, so I'm almost I'm almost 30, and I've read a lot that like some of the best years in, in a woman's life is the 30s because they discover a lot of things about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of them is, one, the world's not really against you. It's just really hard. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's really, really hard for pretty much everybody. everybody. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, go, going into such a tough business, um, it, you get humbled so many times and life humbles you, you know, you, you experience loss, you experience um, kindness, like true kindness that you desperately need and, and don't deserve. And then you experience forgiveness and you, and you learn how to give forgiveness. And through all these big things that we go through, especially the pain, uh, it allows you to see things a little bit clearer and a little bit more grounded. Like it's, there's not these huge things where people are good or bad, you know, it's, it's this really big mix where if you can see the faults in yourself, you learn how to forgive those in other people. And me learning to do that and going through so much, and you really hear it in a lot of my songs, you know, my albums, you hear the difference uh, in the topics that I'm talking about and the things that have inspired me. So I think like every woman, you learn to get in this place where you become a community creator instead of someone living in a community. And uh, I think when I learned to step into that, I've felt the most love and gotten the most, um, the tr most true happiness I've ever had in my life. So it was, it was an experience that I went through that I realized that, no, this is what makes me happy. Like creating happiness in other people and, and feeling like I'm a part of something a little bit bigger than me. Hmm. And is that still kind of, is that still very clear cut for you? Cause I had a similar experience where you, you just realize exactly what makes you happy and life becomes almost a little bit more simple, right? Because you have yeah. very clear yeses and very clear no's. Um, is that sustainable for you in this industry? I think you have, I th this is my biggest, if anyone is listening and, and they're in the creative arts, um, I think this is the biggest thing I've learned so far is you have to realize that you constantly have to work to keep your ego in check. Mm. Um, it's so easy to work really hard and think that you deserve something. 
And when you look at your life in this, in the, in the scope of like the world and, and like, we were so lucky. I was so lucky to be able to live in this country, you know, for example, uh, the it's, it's the entertainment capital of the world, you know, Hollywood and Nashville and, and New York, these are places that really define what's being played in the entire world. You go to the Philippines and they know every word to a One Direction song, you know? Um, it's really amazing what, what, how, how much of a leader in entertainment this country is. And I'm like, first of all, I'm so lucky to live in this country. So there's so many advantages that we stop looking at. You know, I always use the example of a lot of times we get in a mindset of like, if we win the lottery, we'll complain about the taxes. And I have to like catch myself. Like I have been given so much um, and I have to learn how to, it's not just like a be positive, everything's okay, but it's a mindset of being able to overcome because like, uh, I think it's easy to, uh, to fall into that trap of I deserve this or I deserve that. And I'm working so hard and no one's recognizing it. And I'm trying so hard and no one even knows. That's the scariest thing for, for entrepreneurs is feeling like you're struggling so hard. And, and if only anybody knew how hard this really was, cause it feels really alone. Um, and so I think just breaking that mold, uh, was the biggest lesson for me. That's beautiful. And then do you, I imagine you get to connect with other artists over that and also with your partner, right? Because they get to see it and they know it and they have all of the compassion for that. What is that bond like? Like, how does the community support you in that way? I think I've always said this, you always have to have someone in, on your team that does not like your idea, like whatever idea it was. And they, and my team, they always change this place. Marissa, my girlfriend that's in this song, has shot down plenty of songs and it doesn't mean that I don't put them out but uh, I need that I need somebody to say that's a, a really dumb idea or like I like the idea of the song but I think it's kind of you know it sounds more like a punk song doesn't really fit anything else you're doing you know I need somebody to be able to say that to me so what's really nice is having people like that and then when when I finally turned in the music video and they and they liked it I knew that they were being sincere and and that it meant something way more because of a lot of artists people get terrified of telling you how they really feel because the artist then, if it's successful, will say, nobody believed this. My manager thought this was a terrible idea. You know, they kind of throw them under the bus. So in the industry, it's kind of a known standard of just don't say, if you don't have anything good to say, do not say anything. And that is not do anything for the creative right. mind. Yeah. So I was very fortunate that my, my team was behind this and they liked it and they were in it in every step of, of the way with it too. So it was, it was, it was a pretty good team effort. Yeah, and it, I, I fully buy into that philosophy too. You know, having somebody on your team who is responsible with criticism and yes. that you can trust and you, you know that this is for the bigger picture and it's not personal, I think that is so invaluable. I like that, responsible with criticism. Yeah, be responsible with it. I like it. It's too easy, right? It's too easy to criticize. It's too easy to shoot things down. And it's also too easy to keep quiet. But if you can be responsible and effective in your communication around criticism like you you just bring this incredibly valuable um asset to anything creative or anything yeah. in general yeah and you know that also comes with trust like it takes a long time to trust like to let somebody in on your team that you 100 percent trust their opinion and it doesn't mean you're going to go along with it every time but you trust that it's a good opinion from somebody who has done things and has experience behind them you know mm -hmm. What also contributes to your consideration, like when you are thinking about a piece and putting it together, when you're composing a music, or like a musical composition, do you search for inspiration or do you let it find you or is there a blend of both? What, is that, what does that look like? 
Well, if you were to just walk around Nashville and you could just like secretly look at anybody's phone, uh, I can guarantee 90% of people have like most of their storage is in their voice notes and their notes section of their phone. So like every writer in the city is constantly, if they catch a, a line or something, they immediately write it down on the notes of their phone or they record a quick uh, melody. And what happens is um, you end up scheduling a writing session with like two of your friends or people you've written with before. And you're like, hey man, I have this idea for this song. With Leave California, it was kind of unique because I had my first write with this guy named Jeremy Bussey, who is a big writer in, uh, at Universal Music. And I was a little nervous and I had all these ideas planned out and I could just tell he wasn't really excited about any of them. And I was like, well, I've kind of already written this song. It's just a lot of, it feels a little stream of consciousness. There's not really, it's, it's not, people aren't connecting with it yet. And I, and I'm trying to restructure it. He's like, well, let's work on it. And we maybe only added two or three more lines, but we spent eight hours restructuring the song. We didn't even break for lunch. We just spent eight hours refitting the entire song. And it became what it is now, which is way more palatable than it was before. So I usually start with a melody or a line, and then I start building around it. And a lot of times it becomes a little bit more of a stream of consciousness song that is harder to hear as a listener. And then a lot of times I can sit and, and access these amazing writers here in Nashville that help me kind of wind it down and, and tell the story in a way that, that you could really put yourself in. Hmm. Yeah, and you, I feel like just listening to your music, I feel like you can actually really hear that. You can hear that the goal is really to tell a story and to be authentic versus going any kind of popular route. And I feel like that requires so much vulnerability because you are, you're pulling pieces out of you and then you're sharing it with the world. And I know that as a writer, that's it still terrifies me. So how do you navigate the fears around vulnerability with with your audience and you know the people you love most that you're sharing the most beautiful parts of yourself with i think 90 percent of it is mindset and the rest of it is is actually talent so like your mindset has to be an obsession with the goal with the goal is like that connection that amazing i've heard art described as like you connect two dots and you're like every fiber of your being wants to show people that connection mm -hmm. and that's what it feels like to write a song that you love um, and so your mindset has to be a 1000%. It's not even a mindset you choose. It has to be something inside of you that is obsessed. And like, it's not, it's not called work ethic and it's not called, it's literally called obsession. And I, I say that because there's a lot of people that are in the city that get overwhelmed and they just, they feel like they can't keep going. And, and my thing is whenever I get in that state is I'm like, but if it worked, it would be so cool, you know? And so like, for example, with this music video, and I'm going to tell the story. I don't, I don't think I've ever told the story before, but I'm going to tell it because I think it's very revealing for somebody who's struggling right now, trying to like get to their dream. Mm -hmm. um, when I raised $8,000 or so for the music video, uh, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of work getting all of the orders fulfilled and all that. Um, and it was a lot of pressure on me because I said this was going to be an amazing piece of art. And, uh, and we ended up being short because of some things that we had to do in, in San Diego. Uh, and so we were, had not a lot of time and we had to make up uh, some money to, to get this project finished and get this one 
there's one drone shot that I just absolutely felt like I needed in the shot. And it was part of my vision for the song. And I could have just said, it's good enough as it is. I don't need the drone shot, but it was like part of my vision. And I was obsessed with making it come true. So I have been a full-time musician for eight years. I have never done any other kind of work. And I immediately signed up for Uber and I drove, no joke, for eight hours straight for, for three or four days. And I made it what I needed to make and I got the drone shot. And it's like a lot of people aren't obsessed enough to humble themselves for the vision. Yeah, so I think that's, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. I love that because, you know, I think you have to be an entrepreneur or you definitely have to be obsessed and completely passionate with what you're doing to fully understand and realize, as you said before, what goes into it and what makes it truly special. I think a lot of people don't get that backstory behind the art, you know? And I think one of, one of my, where I feel like a lot of projects get stopped is that that question, what if it doesn't work out, right? You know, when you go in this by yourself and you're like, oh man, I have so much pressure writing on me and what if it doesn't work out? But then there's always that follow-up question of, but what if it does? And that is always like that amazing spark of energy that I think really helps people who are truly serious about what they do and being authentic and vulnerable and what they're believing in what they're creating that like truly sets them apart. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're doing something you're passionate about, the failures hurt more, you know, like if you're at work and you missed, you missed a sales goal or you missed uh, something, you can still clock out. You can be bummed out for a second, but you can have a beer and hang out with your friends and you didn't actually lose any money yourself or something. You know, you didn't, you're, you're not, it's not like your very identity is being questioned as a salesperson. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a, something that somebody else's essentially bigger problem is. Um, and when you do something you're extremely passionate about and you're the entrepreneur, so to speak, or you're the head of the, of the whole operation, when you don't succeed in something say you audition even something as simple as auditioning for the voice or american idol or like say you went out and you tried to do an open mic and you forgot the words the failure is so visceral and so awful because and it's because you love it and that's what's so confusing about it you know when you love somebody in a relationship they're the ones that literally have the ability to hurt you the deepest and there's such a strange connection to that and it's because when we care about something as human beings we allow it to take over our own feelings more so than ourselves. And that's the only way you can do something that you're passionate about is to accept the fact that this is going to be painful. And fighting through that pain is what's going to allow you to give you the perspective to you know, become a better artist. That's right, yeah, you absolutely cannot separate yourself from that. And why would you, yeah. you know, because like, if it truly is your passion, it's just inherent part of the process and, and your evolution as an artist. Yeah. I mean, I, I really have had a huge change in mindset in the last three years because I've been such a, I think I would say I had a little bit more of an athlete's mindset, like mm -hmm. give me what to do and I'm going to do it. Give me that to-do list. And I would make myself all these to-do lists and stuff. And I was so analytical about it. And I was so, I wanted to be on the road all the time. And for the first time I kind of sat back and I just, I've been so much more present in the community and so much more interested in what other people are doing and cheering them on. And it has actually done more for my career than probably any of, you know, the more tactical and analytical things that I've done because people it's, it's a, every business, I don't care if it's music or whatever, it's very relationship based. Like people need to believe in you. If you're going to run a business, it doesn't matter what business it is, you know? Yeah, totally. I, and I would love to go back to 
managing your mindset because I, I do feel like with experience comes that realization of the need for prioritization and just like holding to your truth and going for that 100%. So, and you said that your career really took off the second that you did that, but I was one, but there's a delicate balance to this, right? When it comes to prioritization. Oh yeah. Really paying attention to what makes you happy, really paying attention to the goals and what's going to get you there. And also paying attention to self-care, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because being on the road, I, I can only imagine it just pulls your energy in so many different places. So what do you do to kind of clear your head and get yourself back to center? On the road, I like to listen to a lot of podcasts. I've listened to some of your podcasts on the road, actually. Um, and I, I listen to a lot of music. And that's always been kind of my go-to of... I, I think I forgot how much I loved music before because I was so focused on making it that now a lot of things are like, I like my friends. I'll, I'll actually get on Instagram story and say, hey guys, what albums do I need to listen to or what podcast should I listen to? And um, people will chime in and then I get somebody to talk to about it once I come off the road. I think it's big to remember how little you are and how small, how much your problems, although huge, like they, as they may feel, mm-hmm are not forever, they're temporary. And the time that you have right now is temporary. And there's always an opportunity to acknowledge the gift of the second that you have. Mm-hmm. So like, I like to, when I get overwhelmed and over-focused and, and realize that I haven't even like, just stopped to take a breath, I'll stop and I'll, I'll put down my phone and I'll have a meal and, or I'll read a fiction book and I'll just force myself to think of something completely unrelated to my business for at least 30 minutes. And then when I come back in the car, then I'm, I'm thinking about everything again. But it's really important to disconnect and realize, like I said, my industry is very, it's, it's egotistical by nature. Like my business is literally my name. So uh, you're constantly thinking about like, are people gonna connect with me? Is it about like, it's very much about me. So I have to disconnect and realize in reality, my goal isn't to, you know, perpetuate me. My goal is to have a mission of creating a positive community that people want to be a part of because it feels good. And that's the ultimate goal. And that's the lasting effect long after I'm gone. So you have to remember the overall mission. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed with what you're doing, remember your overall mission and let it be bigger than you. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I was just having a conversation the other day with a friend about how we can be so myopic, you know, in our own little worlds and everything that we're trying to build, that that pause to step back and just like take in a bigger purview, even just looking at the stars and realizing how big the universe is, is so powerful and impactful and, you know, can really set you right and back on mission. Yeah, I really, it really can do. And I think honestly being with Marissa, Marissa is my first, like, I would say honestly, really, really serious relationship. Like the only person that I've dated like even close was a year. I've been with her for four and she has, she's a little bit older than me and she's, just run an amazing business and made a great amount of money. And then she did all of that. And now she's like, I actually just want to chill out a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's the truth is like, we always think, and everybody always says this, like money can solve all of our problems. Uh, For example, one time I was having a really hard time uh, balancing all of the money coming in and out because I have to pay for three months of travel in advance. So it's hard to really see everything. And I was talking to my dad who's a financial advisor and he said something so simple. And I had just solved this big problem because I figured out how to get money from this other place. And now it was all solved and my cash flow was good. And he was like, that's all great. And like, that was really smart of you, but 
did you solve like the bigger problem? And I was like, what do you mean the bigger problem? He was like, you're spending more than you have. And it was so simple. I was so entrenched was figuring out how to get money because I was like, I don't, I need to move stuff around and I need it right now that I didn't actually look at the overall problem of why am I spending more than I have? Like, it, and it, it's the same thing with every big problem. Like everything is really boiled down to a very simple, uh, cause and we're constantly so obsessed with the effects that fixing the effects that it's causing yeah for sure yeah so you mentioned that um so marissa kind of wants to chill out and you're taking off and jet setting everywhere what is finding the balance between that when when you guys are kind of in different places um how do you mitigate that it's really hard (laughs) i don't know if you've ever done long distance before but friend <laughs> what's funny is i was talking to a, I was talking to a military couple uh, about a year ago and she said something and i was like oh my god you do that too and she was like yeah every time that her husband's gone on leave even if it's just for like a few weeks or like a month he'll come back and they always every single time and they know it's coming will have an enormous argument about like basically nothing and then they'll settle back into their routine Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that is exactly the same with me and Marissa. And we actually went to couples counseling recently because of it. Cause we were arguing and we we're both like, I don't even know why I'm mad. Like I just mad at you. <laughs> and we were just so confused. And, um, this, uh, therapist, we only went like three times and then he told me a couple books to read. And I was like, that's so much cheaper. Let's just read the books. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was reading the books and he said something that was so simple that I do all the time. So he said, Whenever she complains about something, because she would complain about something like we'd be in like Key West free for a week because of like a songwriter festival I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I'd kind of have to do a couple things. We'd get to do some cool things, meet some celebrities. And she'd say something like, man, I, we haven't even had like a real sit down meal since we've been here. And she wasn't complaining angrily. She was just saying it. And my immediate response is, but we got to do this and this and this and this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he told me, he was like, repeat back her complaint to her without a butt. Mm, yep. And it was really hard. <laughs> but as soon as I did it, it changed everything because she felt heard in her complaint and then we could move completely on instead of her feeling like all of a sudden she had to defend this point. She didn't really care that much about, but she would defend it and then it would make it a bigger deal. And she was like, I don't actually even care. Like I was just mentioning it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's how we would end up spiraling kind of out of control. And it's crazy how something so simple like just repeating back a complaint and saying like, no, I fully understand you. And without using a but, which honestly takes a lot out of me sometimes, like just not, not saying, but what about, cause I'm so positive. And like I said, I have such a, like a hard mindset on things like it's all going to work out. We're going to figure it out. And sometimes just acknowledging somebody and like kind of laughing at circumstances with them yeah. is really all you have to do. And it sounds so simple and obvious, but I, I had to, uh, I had to read a couple of books to really kind of hone in on it. Oh, good for you. I mean, yeah. it's such a challenge. And like I said, asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely been trying to eliminate that but from, from all language and try to be like an and person. And it yeah. is super difficult because especially when giving criticism or when you're the person trying to be heard you know, and to put something to, again, be responsible with criticism, you know, like, I really love this and I appreciate it, but, and then yes. you that pause and you're like, oh man, did I just like completely kill the buildup and yeah. how much I appreciate this person? 
That's yeah, totally. I, I didn't realize how damaging that little butt word was, you know? Yeah, it just cancels out everything, doesn't it? It does, everything before. And our, like, I was about to strangle the therapist one time because we, here's the thing about therapy is we were doing actually pretty good, but we were like, let's just go into it because we keep arguing at like these beautiful places where we want to enjoy it and we'll just go in and figure it out. And we went in and so one person starts an argument and the other person's like, okay, well, if you're gonna bring that up, I'm gonna bring this up. And the other person's like, okay, if you're gonna bring that up, we're gonna go back here. And all of a sudden it's like, you're arguing about everything all over again. So it actually is super uncomfortable. Um, another thing I realized that I do is like, I take like, and this is really hard when you're in a long distance relationship, is I take like kind of more factual statements as value statements. Mm. So like if she complains about something like, uh, you're, you're never home. You haven't been home in, in two weeks. Instead of just acknowledging that and being like, I'm sorry, I take that as like, I'm a bad partner and you don't want to be with me. And like, all you know, it, my brain just goes spirals kind of all the way down with that. So instead of like, or just like, uh, like I've had it, like, I don't know, I just something, I'm, I'm just making something up right now, but like you never do the dishes, like something like that. I mean, like, it's the same thing. And I, and I do do the dishes a lot. So that's definitely not me, but I, <laughs> I'm saying like, it's something factual and it's not necessarily a, 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 a big complaint. It's just like a comment mm -hmm. and I will take it as an attack more on my character. And that's, it's easy to do that on the phone and through text I've found like super easy because you can't read people's body language or anything. So you can't tell if somebody's actually kind of digging in for you or just talking. So. Yeah. And you know, and I, those moments they can be so tedious and very difficult not to take personally but i think yeah. that there's this realization this underlying realization of like how much you actually really really care you know i always i i think i'm a very much a bright side person too i'm like you know what okay if they didn't care they wouldn't have said something or we wouldn't have been able to navigate through this to get to that yeah totally underlying realization of how much we care about each other yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're in a, in a, a constantly having heated arguments with your partner, what I found interesting, it's probably a good, it's a good thing that it hurts you so bad. Like it's a good thing because it means that you really do care. And, it, and if they're feeling the same way and just as upset or withdrawing or whatever, it means they really freaking care too. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to see that in the moment and in the heated, heat of the argument. But uh, at, the, and at the end of the day, the core reason that that's happening isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's happening because you love each other and you need very specific things from only that person can give. Right. And those opportunities are, are incredible to grow closer to each other. And I actually, I actually, I, I think Winston Churchill said like, never let a good crisis go to waste. And I think- I like that. <laughs> relationships I have a similar mindset. I was like, you know what? This is a really good opportunity for us to, to work through this and to understand each other better because where else would this have come about? You know, and, if not out of conflict or out of some kind of tension, like in tension, there is growth. There yeah. Well, you mentioned that you guys get to go to a bunch of beautiful places. Do you have a favorite? Ooh, well, gosh, we, we end up with some like wild, amazing opportunities. I just did this uh, tour in Europe that was kind of like, I was just, I just, I've wanted to get into the Europe market for a long time. So it was kind of low budget. So I was on a budget out there, but I had like such a great time. And then all of a sudden I got a call from a friend of mine that was like, Hey, so we just sold, they sold their like physician's business to like quest labs. So they were celebrating by renting a catamaran for like three weeks in the last five days. I was in Suda Bay, Greece, uh, at a, at a army base there and air force base. And I could just, 
take like a $60 flight and then hang out with them for five days on this private catamaran. And I was like, I want to go, but Marissa would kill me. And, th and they were so, so nice. They actually offered to buy her a ticket. And um, I mean, we, there's really good people. I've, I've there, they live in Boston and just like some of the kind, kindest people I've ever met. And so we got to go over there and we stayed on a catamaran for five days, literally just like finding these tiny little sleepy towns in Greece and getting out and, and all the food was, we were in tiny small towns. It wasn't like Mykonos, you know, with, you know, all those crazy parties. Like it was these tiny towns where you could get like these big meals for like eight euros. So it was, it was really, that was probably the coolest thing I've ever done. Cause I'm not about the big tourist areas and the jacked up prices. Like I'm definitely a Georgia girl. Like if I can't get a Bud Light for two fifty, I'm kind of annoyed. <laughs> so like, I like the, I like having like a cool dive bar and a locals place and it feels good and, and familiar. So I think that's that. And I love going to El Salvador, which is where I'm from. Uh, some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. So those two, I think have been my favorite. Oh, incredible. That's both of those places are definitely on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me know if you ever go. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I love <laughs> Especially those small little towns. Like, I feel like when I travel, I, I'm definitely a live like a local kind of person. I just love being immersed in an authentic community. Yeah, I, you know, and I used to work on cruise ships, so I see both sides of it. Like, it's, it is really nice to be able to get on a cruise ship or go to an all-inclusive resort and not have to worry about anything. And honestly, if I had kids, that'd probably be the way I would go. But um, I love the sleepy, I just love the kind of the more sleepy towns and like, I'm not a huge, like, go to a club and dance. I mean, I can handle that for, like, an hour. Um, but – and I enjoy myself for, like, an hour. But then I'm like, okay, let's go talk. <laughs> so I uh, I just – I really like kind of late nights out on, a, like, a little cafe table and sipping on red wine, talking to your friends. Like, those are the moments you live for. Yeah, absolutely. That you remember the most. Mm -hmm. uh, so just wrapping – up here, um, I have one question that I'm super curious about, but I didn't want to be like a typical interviewer. Okay. <laughs> like some of the, the major, almost too good to be true highlights of your career, you know, those moments that you really hold on to that, that get you up every morning. What, what are a few of those? One of them was when Pharrell called my entire family on stage when I was on The Voice. Uh, at the end of my interview, you can look it up and you can see it if you look up my interview. I'm saying I Hold On by Dirk Bentley. And as soon as I finished, first of all, they were like yelling at the coaches. They were so mad they hadn't turned around right away. And they turned around, like three of them turned around like mid-song. But until they turned around, my parents were just, my whole family, I have four sisters. And then Marissa was there. My friends, John and Sophie Bull were there. And they were just heckling the judges. And like it, on screen, you can't see how close they are, but I could hear them. Like, I mean, they were screaming. So Pharrell, when I finally, like they're talking, they're like, who are these people? Like, can we put them on stage? And they just like, without even, I saw the producer like, try to like, I mean, they just like pushed by him and just ran on stage and they grabbed me and were jumping up and down so intensely. It was so great. And it made me realize like, man, it is so cool to have a dream and to watch it come true. But when you have people that are even more stoked than you are, when you get there, it just it becomes this gift of a moment where you're just so grateful to have the, those kind of people to share it with. And uh, that's part of, you know, it's part of what caused my mind shift you know, you spend so long getting somewhere, you don't realize how important it is to have someone to share it with when you get there. Right. What a tribe. That is incredible. 
yeah, it's, and that's how I feel about like every fan, you know, I have like about 15,000 fans or so on, on Instagram and, and another 15,000 on Facebook. And honestly, I would say 80%, I'd, I'd recognize their face. Like that's how close, you know, this group is. And I, I respond to my direct messages. And a lot of times I'll be driving like eight hour drive to a show and somebody messages me and says like, man, this one song, and it'll be some, some song that I released like forever ago, like a, something different or the greatest thing, all these songs that are like a little slower, um, that are really important to me. And they'll say like, this song did this for me or whatever. And I just had somebody email me and ask me to cover a song because, uh, this in amazingly beautiful story of, of how long it took him and his wife to, to finally get a, uh, bring home uh, two twin girls and start a family. And, uh, there was this one song that, you know, his wife, uh, absolutely loved and they, and they played at their wedding and they were like, it would mean the world to me if you would just sing it. And, and it's amazing for, to have people trust me with those moments, those special moments in their lives. And it's everything of why I do this. So yeah, what a gift that yeah. is really incredible. I love everything that you're doing and I love hearing stories like that because I feel like, Oh, so many people are, they're, they're looking for that. You know, they're looking for that authentic connection and you're using your voice in the most beautiful way and really helping people along their way, you know, as you're going on yours. Incredible. Thank you very much. I feel like uh, I, I read once that like the best nights on stage are the ones where you can't tell who's doing the giving and who's doing take, the taking. And I, I feel like that every day, you know, like with everything I post, everything I do, like people that say thank you to me, I just want to say thank you to them 10 times more. Amazing. Do you have any um, like upcoming dates or events that you want to share? Yeah, I do. I have, uh, I have actually a lot coming up. If you want to see if I'm in your city, just go to officialangk.com. Uh, spelled the way it sounds, officialangk.com, uh, and it has my whole tour schedule. Uh, shoot me a DM, let me know you're coming, and I'll look out for you. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Angie. It was such a pleasure. I love hearing your story and about the work that you're doing, and I think that you have like a completely brilliant mindset, and you're truly a gift, so thank you for your time. Well, that's really sweet of you to say. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, and um, if anybody else wants to reach out to me, feel free. I, I really do answer all my DMs, and I'd love to hear how you guys thought of this podcast. Perfect. All right. Angie, thank you again for sharing your stories and insight with us. Artists like you make me feel so proud of the work we all do as creatives, both individually and collectively, and you are truly a beautiful person inside and out. To find out more about Angie K, you can visit her website, officialangiek.com, and be sure to connect with her on social media. I'll have all of the links posted and her upcoming tour dates on theprismaticlife.com under the show notes for you to check out. And as promised... Here is her song, Leave California, and you can listen to more of her music on all the popular platforms. Until next time, cheers everyone! Leave California Run away with me to Tennessee I know that you love the water We could find us a place on Percy Priest I'm just leading on ya Leave California well, I know it's hard to give it all to a girl like me Playing guitar just to make ends meet I ain't got much but I got this dream I got a tank full of gasoline yeah. And a 
Just do the 